If you have a spouse and you're in the business, they're your partner, whether they're your business partner or not. We like to say he creates a lot of chaos. I organize his chaos. If you can work with your spouse, I really highly recommend that that you you create your goals together. I think you have to decide if you have an unsupportive spouse, really how far you're going to take it and then decide what that commitment is. If your spouse is thoughtfully, prayerfully going through this decision-making process, you know, listen and just take the time to not completely shut them down. The real estate world is changing. Opportunity is everywhere. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the very best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs, overcoming our fears, transforming ourselves so we can transform our business. This is Investor Creator. Appreciate y'all being with us, Brad, here with another episode of Investor Creator. And we're streaming this in the Facebook group. So guys, if you're listening to this on podcast or you're listening to this on YouTube, then be sure and join us in the Investor Creator community. And so I have a very special guest today, one of my most special guests of my career, and that's my wife, Casey. And so a couple of years ago, we did an episode about, you know, with a Valentine Day theme, and that was dealing with divorce, Okay which is a little bit, uh, I guess, pessimistic, but it's one of the big five motivators that we see in a good chunk of our deal flow is divorce situations. And so the nuances that are there are pretty vast because you're dealing with one spouse that has called you, which means that there's distrust between two spouses. And oftentimes you're at a disadvantage with one spouse because they're wondering, well, you know, my soon-to-be ex just called this person and, you know, I don't know if I want to sell my house. And so there's all this distrust and the negotiation is different. And so it's one of those those episodes that we got a lot of really good feedback on. And so this time, I wanted to be a little bit more positive, I guess, and talk about working with your spouse. You know, what's the best way to work with your spouse? And so I've been doing real estate for 12 years in the investing world and five years prior to that in sales as a realtor. And Case came on board about, what, two two years ago? Yeah, about two years ago. Yeah, something this like month, that. actually. Okay, cool. Yeah. So. So two years exactly, <laughs> and has been just instrumental in creating the the kind of growth and scale that we have had. And uh, we thought it'd just be fun to kind of do a podcast. I have, I think, six husband-wife teams in the apprenticeship. So hopefully, husband-wife teams are going to gain some value from this. But the thing is, and I was thinking about this this morning, if you have a spouse and you're in the business, they're your partner, whether they're your business partner or not. And so if there's not alignment in that relationship in terms of the goals, then it's going to create a big problem. And right now we have about 25 or so people per week that I'm talking to that are looking to join with us for training. And one of the the things that I'm looking at, well, the main thing I'm looking at in, in the call is if we can help, okay? And so we're going through a roadblock section to see like, okay, what are the biggest roadblocks that you have in the business? And the biggest roadblock that I can't help with is an unsupportive spouse. 
And so I thought like, hey, let's just do a training on this and, and have fun with it. And hopefully it's valuable to you, whether your spouse is your partner, like in theory or in everything, right? Because they're your partner, whether you know it or not. So I guess, Case, tell everybody how you met me. So Brad and I actually met in high school. We were friends. We were friends. Uh, We were friends in high school. You know, stayed friends, kind of lost touch a little bit. And she always had her eye on me, though. He says that, but I think I kind of waited for him to grow up a little bit. No, I don't know about that. (laughs) Um, So sophomore year of college, he AOL instant messaged me. We're dating ourselves there. We're dating ourselves. But he AOL instant messaged me and said, hey, you know, do you want to? Get together for coffee and catch up. Get some Starbucks. Get some Starbucks. And so met him at Starbucks. We sat in his truck because I think there's only, what, one or two Starbucks in town at that time? Yeah, two. And Mm -hmm. my buddy, John, happened to be there as well. And she still thinks today (laughs) that I sent John there to to get some approval. (laughs) To get some approval. Absolutely. So, um, So we sat in the truck and talked for... A long time. Yeah. I I took her to the funeral home. Well, we met up at the funeral home and then... Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then you drove me to Starbucks and you drove me back to my car and we just, we talked and talked and talked. I've always been a romantic, as you can tell. (laughs) And we had a strong foundation of friendship, I feel like, which has been wonderful and just a huge blessing that we've had that. For sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, we've been together ever since it, you know, we tried to remain friends and Things were just different. Life was different. Yeah, just she fell totally in love with me. And, and you know, that's just how that went. So, so um, we were 19. 19. Yeah, 19 when we started dating. And I proposed when we were 22. I think so. We got married when we were 23. Yeah. So that's kind of, kind of how that went. And so you started off as a school teacher. I did. And how did you enjoy that? Well, at the beginning, it was great. Um, you know, I loved it. I loved the idea of, of helping children, families. And, and then it became something that I just didn't want to be a part of anymore. I dealt with a lot of, I taught in inner city schools and dealt with a lot of behavior issues that were outside of my expertise, dealt with, I taught public pre-K and kindergarten for five years. And I dealt with a lot of extreme behaviors, furniture throwing, extreme language at four and five years old. Yeah, it was insanity. It was insanity. And, you know, this is government school. So, you know, there was your hands were tied as a teacher and I could not be as effective as I I wanted to be. You know, I thought maybe changing to a different district might be a good move. So ended up getting a job in another district, decided, nope, I need to just be done with this stage yeah. of my life. So I did that for five years and then um, was trying to figure out what, what I wanted to do. I've taught fitness classes for over 10 years now. So I started teaching more fitness classes. I went, got my health coach certification. I'm very passionate about health and nutrition. And then we got pregnant with our daughter. Yeah. So, um, so things change at that point. If, change, if, if you, yeah. if you don't have children, you'll find out if yeah. you do, but so let's go back, you know, whenever we started first dating, I was selling real estate. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was really, really good because Casey saw from the very beginning that if I had a, a phone call come in, then all bets were off. I had to go take care of that business, you know. Now, you grew up in a household that was very much like a nine to five sort of household. Is that fair to say? Sure. Yeah. I mean, my mom stayed home some of that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. 
definitely did not grow up with entrepreneur parents that, um, yeah, they were off work when they were off work and they were at work when they were at work. So, yeah. Yeah. And so for me, I was raised by my grandparents and they were farmers. So, you know, I never saw anybody go to a job every day, which was really good, you know, because I I wasn't programmed with that. And I think it's kind of difficult. Uh, And I think for a lot of people, this may be kind of a point of contention is you would go to work all day Mm -hmm. and come home and I would be at home. And now I had work, but my work was just basically being on call. I wasn't all the time busy. And so one of the things that you'll see in this business is, and I've seen this all the time where you can make really a a great income, 100, 200K, extremely part-time. And so, and I've told people, like a a good example of this is my friend Luke in Des Moines. Um, Years ago, he, (laughs) I can't remember the numbers exactly, but he'd made multiple six figures that year part-time. And he was uh, like a network engineer, like a computer systems analyst or something like that, something techie. But he was working 60 hours a week at his job. And so I told him whenever he quit his job to do real estate, I said, man, you need to get a hobby. You need to do something, ideally something active, because if you don't, you're used to spending 60 hours a week working plus your real estate. And you're going to go to just real estate. You're going to have all this time and it's going to be nice at first, but then that that kind of starts to turn against you if you don't get rid of it. You know, so I've seen this actually many times since then. But do you think that it was difficult for you in any point where you were working, you were unhappy with your work life? And then, you know, I was kind of an idiot at this point because, you know, I I did my best to be supportive. You know, I'd I'd take her Starbucks. She really liked those, uh, was it apple ciders or pumpkin spice or whatever it was back in the day? Caramel apple spice. Okay, cool. So I'd try to take her those and, you know, be supportive (laughs) because I knew she was having a tough day. But then I was kind of an idiot because she'd be like, oh, what are you having for lunch today? And I'd send her a picture <laughs> of like my steak and my, my, yes. my Manhattan yes. where I'm eating at our favorite restaurant by myself. Right. You know, and she's trying to like guzzle down food as quickly as we can. Right. So if you're in a better position, <laughs> folks, like don't do what I did and kind of like showcase that, you know, but was that ever a, an issue or like tough for you? tough for me. I think the lunch thing honestly was the the biggest thing that I remember because that was one thing that I remember being so stressful. I would take my my class through the lunch line. By the time I got back to my room, I had maybe 15 minutes to eat lunch. Yeah. And so as someone who values health and, you know, it's like, what can I eat that's healthy? And, you know, in 15 minutes and that was just a stressful, stressful part for me. But as far as after hours, I mean, I can tend to be on the workaholic side. And so mm-hmm. I was the teacher who got there at 6 a.m. a lot of time. And of course, I didn't have children back then. I wouldn't leave till 6 p.m. And so as far as supporting you in, in working and meeting your goals, I feel like I was always supportive of that. It was oh, just, sure. it was more for me. I had never experienced the time freedom. I, always felt like, okay, I have to have a job that I am tied to and I'm here from this hour to this hour. And, you know, teaching is not something that you can ever just leave at work, but it was just a different mindset that I had never experienced or seen anyone firsthand live the life of an entrepreneur where there's a lot of struggle and grind and determination that you have to have, but you do get to make your own schedule. And that's something that now I know... I absolutely wanted back then and I just didn't know. So, yeah. So let's talk about this. So, um, back before I was, I'd ever done a real estate deal on the investing side, I sold real estate 
And the builder developer that I worked for during in college, he ended up going bankrupt. Okay, so the crash of 08 happened. The banks called his loans, even though he never missed a payment. So this, that's a big reason why we have zero dollars of bank money in my business today is I don't trust bankers. But, you know, I had to go back into the traditional form of selling real estate. Well, that was like, what, 07. And so I made a, a mediocre income that year in 07. And, um, but I'd gotten my undergraduate degree in accounting. And so I, I, I figured like, okay, I'm kind of mess, messed up on my timeframes. That was, a, that was the beginning of 08. And so I went into accounting because my undergraduate was in accounting. And I realized quickly I couldn't do that work. You know, like I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. You know, I started a pressure washing business when I was 16 years old. I don't know if you guys can catch it in the frame. We've got my first business was a vending machine uh, business. I, I, I got a job at Foodline and I saved up my money in my first few paychecks and I bought two vending machines on eBay. And then they broke and I, I realized it's going to cost more to fix them than, than to just buy a new one. And so my first business venture was a catastrophic failure, but I still have it to remind me kind of where we came from. But uh, there came a point when I went into accounting, couldn't do this work. I had this, this partner at this public accounting firm that had the, the big Napoleon complex I'd ever seen. And it just wasn't my personality type to do that work. And so I remember, you know, we had a conversation. I don't remember exactly what I said or anything, but I just remember that Casey was like, well, just quit. Like just the easiest, most obvious answer. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. We had just bought our first house together. We're paying for our wedding. I just bought this little German Shepherd dog I didn't need. Okay. I had a no real plan to make an income. That was, I think, a great plan. What in the world made you just go, just quit? Um, honestly, I think that some of it was, was belief in you and trust in you. I had known you since you were 16 and I knew how entrepreneurial minded you are. And, um, I just, I just had a lot of faith in you and always have. So I, I remember thinking even when we were just friends that you were going to do, do big things and you were going to, you had big dreams and goals and I just believed in you. Well, that's why you're my Valentine. Um, <laughs> So I went back into uh, selling real estate and then I retired my license in 2010 just to, to do investment. I'd never done an investment deal ever. And so for me, it took me eight months to hit my first deal. So from January to August, I had nothing to show for it. Okay. And I was pressure washing houses. And I remember your grandfather, Walt, and I love the man. I really do. He's a great man. Uh, just one of the the most principled men I've, I've ever met in my life. But he, he came to me and said, Brad, how's real estate? <laughs> I said, well, Walt's not too good. I'm, I'm still still trying for that first deal. He said, Brad, you need a good job. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, Walt, you don't understand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy something subject to, I'm going to sell it with owner financing. I'm going to create these notes. It's going to be great. Brad, get yourself a job. <laughs> So that created, and he was an entrepreneur. Yeah, he was an entrepreneur. Yeah. And that's why it hurt my feelings so bad. <laughs> is uh, I mean, he, he was in construction, built bridges, roads, schools, mid-rise buildings. Like he, he was a real player. Mm -hmm. And uh, he felt like I needed to get a job. But I, I will say that I, I don't know 
if I would be here if you were super disparaging, you know, because I didn't have my belief system really built at that point. And that's why, like, it's so important to sometimes you have to protect your, you always have to protect yourself from your peer group. Okay. Unless your peer group is doing better than you, you know, Tom Hopkins, who's an old sales artist, said, you know, he'd make people at, at a seminar repeat this. I will never take advice from anyone who's doing worse than I am. Okay. And I think that we often do that. And I think it's one of those things that your peer group, you know, like my grandmother was an amazing lady, but she was not a high performer in business. And so she would tell me something from, you know, a, a spirit of really trying to do what she felt was best for me and like giving me really good advice. But she was not in a position to give me really good advice based on what I was trying to do. And so you have to, to really segment yourself from other people that are not believers or, or not people that have accomplished what you're setting out to accomplish. Okay. Oddly, or I guess sadly, I should say, sometimes that's your spouse. You know, sometimes that your, that's your spouse. And so I've seen this within the apprenticeship. I, I know of one apprentice specifically where we've, we've talked about this a lot. And he told his wife, he said, look, I love you. This is what I feel like I have to do for this family. I'm doing it whether you like it or not. And she was not happy. She was not happy until that first check came in. I think it was roughly 70 or so thousand dollars that came in and he didn't tell her about it. It hit the account and she called him frantic and said, where did this $70,000 come from? Somebody's made a mistake. He said, there's no mistake. I've been real estate, you know? And I think that that's a, probably a good way to do it. You know, you really have to protect your, your dreams and your hopes from people that maybe mean well, but they're not in a position to really help you along, right? So there came a point when, what made you want to transition into real estate? <clears throat> um, well, I was at a point in life where I had stayed home for a little while and done the stay-at-home mom thing. We have two children now. And uh, so when our son was, he got a little bit older, I realized I want to do something, you know, like we, we love the little Mother's Day out and the schools that, that we have available to us here. We have some really great options here. And so I was like, I'm just, I really want to do something else. And I just kind of did a little bit of searching as far as, okay, what do I want to do? I definitely don't want to go back into teaching, you know, but I want to be able to serve other people. And I I love to be in community, build community. And, um, and I think you just mentioned one day, well, have you thought about getting your real estate license? Because Mm -hmm. we've always talked about, it'd be really nice to have somebody that we could, you know, have like, whether it be a family member or close friend that's, that's licensed as a realtor. And, uh, and I was like, well, that's kind of easy. I mean, I guess it can't hurt anything, right. For me to get my, my real estate license. And so I took my sweet time doing it because our son was pretty little. Um, he was what, just a few months old, I guess, when I started working on my real estate license. And, um, and so started, you know, taking the class online, took my sweet time and, uh, I just decided, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna list our houses, and yeah, so that's, I, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that it just made sense, and yeah, yeah, totally at the time. So. Yeah, and that that's absolutely true. But at, there came a point when, I mean, Casey was listing our houses, but she started to spend a lot of time in the office. And really, I'm not a detail person. If that's not abundantly clear <laughs> at this point, for anybody that knows me for more than ten minutes, I can see that. I mean, I can create a lot of chaos. I can buy a lot of houses. We're world-class buyers. Negotiation is set. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're really, really good at a lot of things, but I'm not great at 
making sure the property taxes are paid or, you know, we, we managed a lot of subs, me and Tony did for a long time, but we're not great rehabbers and I don't want to be a great rehabber. You know, I've done the, the gut down Joanna Gaines reframes and all that. There's more money, in my opinion, and velocity of the cash, just doing more deals that, you know, we're doing just kind of lipstick stuff mostly. Okay. But um, there came a point when mm-hmm. it seemed like you were more interested in the investing business than the realtor business. So tell us about that. And was there anything that surprised you that you really didn't expect working with us? I think so much surprised me because I I really became more involved in the investing business because I realized, oh, Brad needs a bookkeeper. (laughs) You know, he needs a very organized, detail-oriented bookkeeper. So I hired, you know, a really great friend of mine that did did bookkeeping. And so she and I worked on getting everything organized. And I got in there and I realized, oh, he needs help. (laughs) He needs a lot more help than he has right now. He needs people. He needs talent outside of, I mean, obviously you have talent within buying and, but as far as the details and, um, you know, he, we, we like to say he creates a lot of chaos. I organize his chaos. So I was really able to use a lot of my teaching skills, my organizational skills, yeah. my people skills, my abilities to delegate, um, which is something that I definitely learned how to do as a teacher to create a team, really. Yeah. And guys, so, I push back on this a lot. He pushed back a lot. Okay. A lot. Because every time I came to the office, <laughs> she had somebody new there, you know? And, <laughs> and I a was new like, process or a new system yeah, or app or something. And that's not something that I'm good at. And mm-hmm. so I really pushed back and I was like, we don't need all these people. Me and Tony have done this by ourselves forever. And, you know, do we miss balls in the air sometimes? Yes. But like, we always got the job done and I could not have been more wrong. Okay. Like she saw the the need for people and processes that have allowed us to scale probably six or seven times what we were then now. And, but were you surprised at how much me and Tony were just doing by ourselves? I'm still surprised. I mean, almost every day I think at some point, how in the world did they do all this? Just the two of them for so long. Yeah. Because like you said, we've really been able to scale now that we have such a great team. Yeah. We have an amazing team. Yeah. We have such an amazing team. You know, culture is super important to us and, you know, just our core values of this company and, what we've built. So it's a really fun, really cool thing to move past just the, and it's so easy to get in the weeds too, I think. It is. Um, and one thing that I've learned is, and you mentioned this, I learned this from you, getting above the weeds is so important. Yeah. I like the weeds. I like to be in the weeds and I like the details, but being able to, I mean, you've been able to be freed up. Oh yeah, for sure. To not have, you know, you have a lot of people in between you to deal with a lot of the weeds. Yeah. And that's the stuff I'm not good at anyway. And so I really hesitated to give, give up control of a lot of this. So it's like, okay, with, with servicing a note, if you record a payment incorrectly, you just lost that money, you know? So like the, or a decimal point, you just lost, you know, a good chunk of, of cash. And then I realized that Miss Abby who joined with us is far more talented at all of that than I ever was. And so it, it really gave me a lot of relief because I didn't enjoy that work anyway. And this is why I talk about death by a thousand paper cuts because, you know, nobody's great at everything. Like you have a predisposition to be, be good at, at some things and not others. And so 
within this business, if you're a solopreneur, you're going to be dealing with details or facets of the business that you don't enjoy. And so if you don't get away from that over time, you're going to crash. And I've seen this so often. You know, and one of the things that I'll ask people is like, name me 10 people that have done 10 deals a year for 10 years straight. I can't do it. And I know a lot of people in this industry that did it by themselves. I know a lot of people that have done it and, and built systems and teams around it, but I don't know anybody that's done it by themselves. So were you nervous or worried about working with me? Hmm, that's a very good question. Was I nervous or worried about working with you? I don't know if I was nervous or worried about working with you. I I think there was definitely just getting used to what's my lane, what's your lane? What are you willing to let me take over? You know, yeah. what am I going to insist on taking over? You know, so that was a big learning curve in the beginning. As far as like initially, I mean, I guess there was maybe a little bit of just, I know how you are in work mode. And oh, oh we, we got to unpack that. So what is that? Mean? Oh my goodness. Okay. Let's, so, let's, let's get into a fuss. <laughs> what did you mean by that? <laughs> so anybody that knows Brad knows that he he's comes across really stoic. He comes across very, he's really not, but he's hard to read sometimes, especially in work mode. Work mode, he's, he's just... Uh, very bad as business. And so I think at first it was just like, are we going to be able to get along? Are we going to be able to, we had to set some boundaries as far as, you know, like we have to remain married, you know, yes, for sure. <laughs> obviously, for sure. but like we have to not just become business partners is what I mean by that. Like we had to say, okay, after 6 PM, we're not going to talk about work anymore. We're going to just be married talk about the kids, talk about our, what's, what's for dinner. What's for dinner. She's usually not me cooking, but yeah, I'm going to take her somewhere for Valentine's podcast. that she's never been before. <laughs> for Valentine's this Valentine's, you're going to go to the kitchen. The kitchen. Yeah. You, you You've never me. been there before. You're going to help me. <laughs> I might have to. You um, might. I'm he actually the does. better cook. Yeah. He's, but, he's much better. Cook, but. Yeah. But anyway, so, I mean, as far as initially, like maybe just a little bit of what is this going to look like? Because we yeah. never imagined doing this. No. We had completely set out on different paths. I'm a teacher. He's an accountant slash soon after real estate. I retired quickly from accounting. Yeah. So it's just not something we ever expected. I really, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, this was completely ordained that we are on this path together I, I absolutely love it. I love working with you. I love <laughs> that we can support each other in goals. Like, I mean, obviously we have common goals as far as our marriage, our lifestyle, our families, but yeah. it's fun to have common goals in our business, yes. you know? So, um, which goes so much far beyond just the financial. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So I was very nervous to have you come into the business. Because whenever I worked for the builder developer that I worked for back in college, him and his wife were partners. And they did not, I think we managed our working relationship a lot better than they did. Okay. Like it was really, and they, they fought all the time, you know, but it was the craziest thing at 5 p.m. for them. Even if they were in the middle of a fuss, they'd say, okay, it's 5 p.m. And they'd go back like nothing had ever happened. Like if they were in the middle of just a heated argument, 5 p.m., everything went away. I've never seen anything like that. And I can't do that. You know, like, I guess I'm too emotional to just be like, oh, you know, the bell is dinging. So, you know, time's up. So I was nervous about about working together. But 
here, here's what I found is I knew my wife was talented. I'm going to score some brownie points here. I knew my wife was talented. I had no idea that she was as talented as she is. And like, that's hundred percent, like her ability to go in and, and see like details that need to happen and processes and managing people is far beyond like what I'm capable of. And so it, you've done a great job, you know, and, and it's been a, a great thing. What do you think the worst part of working together is? Oh man, the worst part of working together. That's you really can't hard say because nothing. I really do love it. Uh, um, can't say nothing. Oh man, that's a really tough one. The worst part of working together. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just sometimes I do want to talk about work all the time, yeah. you know, and we'll be on a date night and uh, like, I love what we're doing. I think it's fun. There's always something to talk about with work. And so like, you'll definitely have to say sometimes like, okay, like, let's talk about this tomorrow. And I'm like, but I want to talk about it right now, <laughs> you know? So I guess that's maybe the worst part is just, yeah, you know. So, so how do people, if, if there's a husband and wife and they're in the business together, how do they not like let the business take over their home life? I think one of the most important things, especially if you have children, is just to make your marriage a priority. You know, we go on a date night at least once a week at a minimum. And we spend a lot of time together. You know, we spend a lot of time with our babies, a lot of time. But, you know, we spend a lot of time just me and you. And uh, we make our marriage a priority and having things outside of, I mean, we're kind of boring people. Um, We're a little bit boring. I mean, we don't have any crazy hobbies. We're not going kayaking and mountain climbing and stuff like that. Well, but shout out to Aubrey Hyam, who yeah. may be out there. He's, <laughs> he's probably swimming with sharks in Bogota right now. Yes, yes. So yeah. well, I'm not doing that. I mean, we enjoy going to dinner together. We enjoy going to the gym together, you know. So it's just having things that uh, that you both can do together outside of the business, outside of being mom and dad, I think those are, those things are important. Yeah. So for me, the worst part about working together is I tend to have less patience for her when that's unfair because, I mean, she's been around me in this business for like a decade now. And sometimes I'm not very forgiving or understanding that you don't know everything, right? Well, and then sometimes he has to remind me that, you know, nobody becomes a great real estate agent overnight or knows how to, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, because I'm the type too, that I think I should just have been born knowing how to, I don't know, run calls. I don't know. Right. Right. (laughs) What this is, you know, especially in the beginning. So that makes sense. Yeah. So what's the best part of working together? I really just love being with you all day. I mean, we're not together together all day, but I love being with you and I love just being able to see you all, all day. And, uh, you're on calls a lot, but I can run in between. And I just, I, I just think it's really fun. I think it's, like I said, with the common goals, it's really fun to yeah. build this business and, and build a little tribe. We've got such a fun little tribe here and uh, it's, it's just really fun. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. I mean, to, she's always been a great life partner, but to have her as like basically a business partner too. And you know, be able to work on common goals together. I mean, I, I shouldered this business basically by myself, me and Tony for years. 
And it kind of grown to the point it outgrew me in tone, you know, and so it became almost a burden. But to have, you know, my partner here in life also be partner in the business is just, just really great to, to do. So, I mean, if you can work with your spouse, I really highly recommend that, that you create your goals together and that you, you go in and because I mean, that's buy-in. Like whether you have a spouse that's super supportive or not, if you can get that spouse to like buy into the goal together, then that person may understand a little bit more about, well, you know, it's Saturday night. We had a date night, but th- this house just came in and it's a great deal. I'm going to go buy it because they created that goal with you. Right. So what advice would you have for a husband or a wife that is not supportive of their spouse doing this business? Um, for husband or wife, you know, I really feel like if your spouse is thoughtfully, prayerfully going into a decision, any decision, but specifically, you know, going into this business, you know, I do think there are exceptions. You know, if your spouse has a long track record of just horrible decisions and yes. blowing money on crazy stuff. And hey, those beanie babies are coming back now. I mean, you know, then that's a different scenario. But, you know, if your spouse is thoughtfully, prayerfully going through this decision making process, listen and and just take the time to not completely shut them down because I think that's the worst thing you can do with um, with your spouse. One of the worst things you can do is just completely shut down their dreams. Yeah, and realize that in in most situations, they're doing this for you. They're doing this for their family. They want to better your family. You know, oftentimes to leave a legacy, to just have more different things. You know, not just material things, but maybe it's lifestyle. Yeah. And I, like I said, when I was working my nine job job, like I did not even realize that that's what I wanted was the time freedom. And so just hearing them out and recognizing like, what's their heart behind this? Like mm-hmm. it's more, more often than not, it's, it's not just for themselves. It's for you. It's for your family. So and I think that's true. What I see and or certainly have seen in the past is and th- I think this is tough to, to combat. I, d- I don't really know how to combat this, but you'll have an unsupportive spouse that feels like, okay, my spouse is my spouse at this level. But if, if this person becomes successful and has more options, then where does that put me in their life? And I, I think that that's a sad thing, but I, I think it, it makes sense. It's just insecurity, you know? And so it's like, I, I don't really have a great answer for someone that that's going through that, you know? And it's like, and I think about how terrible that is because I don't know that if, and there are people out there that are this way. It's like, you are not going to buy and sell real estate. You are not going to do this. If you do, then I'm going to leave you. And and I have people that come to calls about joining with us. And that's literally literally what they're going through. I don't think that I could deal very well with that ultimatum because it's like, if I have a responsibility to be the best that I can be as an individual, and you're literally the roadblock that's keeping me from being there. I mean, I, I think I would have a, a tough time with that, you know, and it's, I hate that people are in that situation. And I don't think that every husband and wife needs to work together. 
You know, if, if one spouse has gifts and talents in other areas, if they're a, a nurse or a teacher or, you know, like they've got a completely different gifting, you know, they want to stay home with their kids, um, homeschool. I mean, they're just, it, we, not all couples have to work together, but I do think sharing those common goals is really important and sharing those common goals. You know, I think I've always known what your goals are yeah, and I've always known what your heart is, you know, in those goals that it's, it's not just financial, it's lifestyle, it's having time freedom. Yeah. I think that that's super helpful regardless of the situation, whether the spouses are working together, whether, you know, the, the spouse that's unsupportive has a completely different gifting. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and again, you know, the, the unsupportive spouse may very well be rooted in what they think is best for you because they, they feel like this is just too big of a risk. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I had an uncle who worked a corporate job for 30 years and then in the crash of 08 lost his pension. You know, for me, that seems more dangerous, you know, like it's just, how do you define risk? Mm -hmm. Right. So let's say that you're having a conversation with someone and their spouse is unsupportive. So like, how, how do you feel like someone should, should handle that? If I'm having a conversation with the unsupportive spouse? No, the, the person that wants to do this, but mm-hmm. they're dealing with an unsupportive spouse. I mean, I would ask if, if you've shared, you know, you've had a conversation about why, what's your big why, you yeah. know, have you really explored that for yourself? Because I, I do think you have to do that for yourself first, like really getting down deep and yeah what is my why in this? You know, I have a friend who always talks about the big why in terms of someone who wants to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? You know, um, shout out to Krista Hawkins. This is, this is hers all completely, but why do you want to lose weight? You know, it's like, well, I just, you know, I want to look a little better. And, you know, you you ask some more questions, ask some more questions. And it's finally like, I want to be able to go down the slide with my child. Like that's the why, like that big reason, like why, do you want this? And I think, you know, if you're, if you've connected with that yourself and then you've shared that with your spouse and, you know, I think it's just communication really, I think is the most important thing Yeah. because if you don't know, you know, if you're not sharing and communicating and you don't know yourself, like why I want this, you know, you think like, Oh, I just want, you know, all this, uh, this money, you know, <laughs> like right. it's often, about more than that, you know? Well, it started so, off being money for me. My first goal was to be able to go to the grocery store and not have to look at what the prices were. And I remember the first time that I ever really accomplished that was when me and you and Phil went to Chewy's. And Phil's my my old, old buddy from sixth grade. And I, I didn't look at the menu, like the pricing. I just got what I wanted. And we had a couple margaritas on the patio. It was a beautiful, like that first beautiful spring day. We just had a great time. And I was like, wow, like this is nice, you know? So, you know, which is financial. And now it's more about contribution, you know, building a a team where everybody does well together and then replicating the process with other people. So those goals will change over time. To add one thing, I think you're 100% right. Like if if I had an unsupportive spouse, I would absolutely try to, to make them emotionally understand the reason behind why I feel like I have to accomplish this. But if it's not well received, Mm-hmm. then I think it's like a line in the sand. You have to make the decision. Like, are you going to commit to this business? Like, regardless of spouse? 
or are you going to to kind of play it safe and try to appease? I have a picture of Winston Churchill on my wall. He's one of my favorite figures in history. He he didn't really believe in appeasement, you know, and so I, I love his standards. You know, that's one of the reasons he's on the wall. But I do feel if if you have an unsupportive spouse, it may not make sense to share everything about the business. It's like if you make the decision to go into it and you're going to do it, come hell or high water, then it's like grind, don't share. I believe in the mentor-mentee relationship. I do not believe in sharing your doubts or fears with anyone but that person. Because otherwise, you know, it, it's if you have a spouse that already has a fear-based mindset and you're adding to that, I don't think that that's a good idea. Okay. Any other final thoughts for you about working with your spouse or how amazing it's been to, <laughs> to work with me? You know, I think that... We've been very blessed in the last couple of years in meeting people and, you know, even within our group of apprentices, having people come on board yeah. with us that are also doing this with their spouse. Right. So we've got some good friends that we actually met with at Hibachi. Yeah. They've become great friends and they're working together on this business. And so I think having other people, other spouses that are walking this journey with you and know what it's like. And, you know, I mean, it's not always easy. It's not always, I mean, there are definitely times where Brad and I disagree about things and, you know, but, you know, it's nice to have people that are walking the same journey as you with their spouse. And you can kind of be in community with other people, talk to them about what it's like and just different perspectives. So I think that that's really important to not be alone in it. Yeah, for sure. So That, that makes a lot of sense. So final thought for me, I think you have to decide if you have an unsupportive spouse, really how far you're going to take it and then decide what that commitment is. And so for me, I, I never had to deal with uns- an unsupportive spouse. So like it, it's tough for me to understand it personally, although I've seen it a lot within people that we've helped. And so motivation gets you started. It's a commitment that keeps you going. So, you know, we live and die by our standards. You know, we, we may have a goal for ourselves where if we hit the goal, then that's great, you know, and we're excited, but we always fall to our, our lowest standard. So like a, a, a standard that I have now, my children go to the school that I want them to go to regardless of the cost. And so for me, it's like, I will do whatever is necessary work-wise. I'll, I'll no vacations, no eating out, whatever we have to do to meet that lowest standard, because that's like super high priority for me. You know, everybody's going to have a different idea of what those standards are for them, but it's going to be the commitment to the business that keeps you going. Okay. Uh, I love working with my wife. Uh, again, I, I don't think it's for everybody, but I think it, it's an amazing thing whenever you can have what we have. And I mean, I highly recommend the business. You know, if, if you have a spouse and you guys are, are thinking about joining the real estate investing business, feel free to subscribe to us on Investor Creator on iTunes and join the Investor Creator community on Facebook. We're going to be doing lives uh, every Tuesday. So uh, I'll have a, a different person with me every Tuesday. So generally going to be Big Tony. Shout out Tony Woodall. But uh, you know we're having a lot of fun. So appreciate you guys being with us. If you need anything, reach out Brad at bradsmotherman.com. For training, reach out to support at bradsmotherman.com. We'll see you guys next time. Y'all have a good day.